Good morning once again. Good to see everyone. I was so excited to be here because there is joy in this place. We made it to this moment where we get to hear from God, be encouraged by him. So good to see you all. Can you nod your head if you've ever had this experience? There's someone you haven't seen in a really long time, and as you re-meet them, as you see them again, you can tell that something has changed about them. Have you ever had this experience? Not in heads. And, and, and you might try to put your finger on it. For example, if you're a lady, you might ask, do you have a new hairdo? Is it a new color? New style? Did you get the bob? I don't know. Do you have bangs? Bringing back the bangs. By the way, guys never talk about this. We never ask about each other's hairdo. We do sometimes comment about facial hair, rocking the beard or the mustache, bold move brother, right? Um, but, but we don't really talk about hairdos. Or maybe you go to, are you wearing glasses? I, I never saw you with glasses before. Is that a new outfit? I remember a time when I had this experience. I was going back to Orlando, Florida, where my parents are. Saw a member, someone that I had uh, grown up with, and, and I could tell something has changed. Now, what had changed is that this gentleman, he had lost 50 pounds, this was a while ago, because of a program called P90X. Does anyone remember the glory of P90X? Who did it? Come on, I just, I just, who's, yeah, yeah, I tried my best and forgot the rest, but Tony Horton, it didn't, I did not lose 50 pounds. Anyway, um, but this guy, I mean, something had drastically changed all because of a program that he had gotten into, and that's what happens in life. See, change is possible. If you've ever been to a class reunion, if you've ever met again with, with someone that you haven't seen in a while, change is always happening in every season of life. And that's why I'm so excited to get into this new series called Awakenings. Because we are praying that God would bring about a change in you. That if you would admit today that you are struggling spiritually, that maybe you have some questions about God, that maybe you feel weak, that he would lead you to a place of spiritual strength. That is the hope and the goal, that he would continue to have his way in your life as he takes hold of you. And consider what, what spiritual strength might produce in our lives. I consider what the, the Bible says about the fruits of the Spirit. Look here with me about the fruits of the Spirit. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It is joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, does anyone here want any one of these? Would you like to be known for a little bit more love? Or maybe there's someone in your family who wishes you had more of these. <laughs> someone who wants a little bit more forbearance with mom or dad or uh, things of that nature. Or think of what we could do with more self-control. All the ways that God could shape us and, and make us lights in this world. And, and what if, as we move to spiritually strong, people would meet us and, and they're struck that something has changed. And it wouldn't be about our bodies. It wouldn't be about glasses. It wouldn't be about facial hair. But it would be that the Spirit got a hold of you. Is that a good goal? Ready to go on the journey with me then? So if we want that as a goal, then the question is, how do we get from point A to B? How does this happen? Well, let me give you a tip-off. It has less to do with what you're going to do with God, and it has more to do with what he's going to do for you. That's how this relationship works. In fact, salvation was all about him, and now everything since then is still about what he does in the lives of his believers. So, so let me again state it this way. Spiritual strength has less to do with what you will do for God and more to do with what he will do for you. And that's why during the course of this series, I don't want to give you a to-do list. I want to give you a believe list. That if you find some principles that you seek deep, sink deep down into your soul, you might have some strength like never before. 
Sound okay? Ready for a believe list? And the way God works, it's kind of like mom. And again, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. If you're sitting next to a mom, could you just tell her thank you? Just tell her thank you. Just tell her thank you. Never say it enough, thank you. And as I consider mom, who helps more? Does mom help the child more or does the child help the mom? All right. That's a silly example. Because let's just take Mother's Day, for example. Maybe there are some kids who had this bright idea, I am going to cook breakfast for mom. I'm going to cook breakfast, right? And, and maybe your household is similar to mine, that even when a child does cook breakfast, guess who is still left to clean up? It is mom. And so it is a ridiculous dichotomy to ask, you know, who helps more? Mom is always helping more. You can't be more helping than what mom has been for a child. Child, you will never outdo her. In fact, I came to this post that said, dedicated to all mothers. She's a mother. She works 24 hours a day. She is an alarm clock, a cook, a maid, a teacher, a nanny, a nurse, a driver, a handyman, a bodyguard, a photographer, a counselor, a comforter, an ATM. You could probably list your own, right? She doesn't get holidays, sick leave days off, or overtime pay. She works through day and night and gets paid in hugs and kisses. Although she will take money, I think, right? (laughs) I'm pretty sure she'll be okay with some cash, FYI. But that is the dichotomy with us in Christ. See, we might go and and we might have these silly ideas. God, I'm going to help you. (laughs) You don't get this relationship, do you? I'm going to help you. I'm going to work in you. I'll be your strength. You just stay close to me and see what I could do to move you from struggling to, again, spiritually strong. And that's what we get to consider in these weeks as we consider a believe list. So let's turn to the Word of God. Let's turn to the Word of God. And, um, and, and something changed in God's activity. Let me, let me set up, before we read from the Word of God, let me set up God's activity which had changed. Has anyone read some changes and, and noticed some changes between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Have you been in your Bible enough to notice there are some changes? For example, worship was completely different. And you may not know this about the Old Testament, but in worship they used to bring live animals every Sunday, and I would basically be the butcher, and I would slit the throats and sprinkle blood all around and burn the sacrifice, and, and that would be our celebration. Do we want to go back there? That's weird. It did get across, though, that sin needed payment in a real way. Or you consider the limited access. They always had to go through a priest. That's the only way it worked. The priest would pray for them, offer sacrifices. Only the priest could go into the holy place, the true temple, and only the high priest into the most holy place. There were barriers to God. Now you consider the New Testament. You didn't bring a goat or dove, did you? That's good. That's good. I'm I'm not going to sacrifice it. I'll barbecue with you, but anyway, that's a different story. Um... What have we done? We have just put a cross and we said this cross is all we're going to remember. See, Jesus came as a fulfillment of that foreshadowing and he is a sacrifice once for all. So worship has changed. And then when Jesus was teaching on the Lord's Prayer, he, 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 he indicated a change when it comes to access because he said when it comes to God, you know what you can call God? What do you teach us to call God? Dad. That's intimate language, isn't it? You don't have to call him Adonai, you don't have to call him Yahweh, you can call him Dad because you have just as much access to the Father as a pastor does, as anyone else does, because I came and now I am the mediator. A lot changed. 
It changed for evangelism. Before, he used to work through the nation of Israel, displaying his glory and might through them, and, and they would have clean and unclean to notice how they're different from the nations. Now, evangelism is through every believer, and the way we look different and, and marked as his disciples is how we love people. So evangelism changed, but, but this all changes, and the tipping point for the change, I believe, is what we consider today. The ascension of Jesus Christ. Let's get into it. You ready? Now we can turn to the word of God from Luke chapter 24. You can follow along in your worship folders or on the screen, whatever works for you. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. I was thinking of doing a whole sermon point on this. I can't. But don't you love that there is a God that doesn't lie? There is a God who is adamant about moving heaven and earth, so he keeps every promise, every word to you. Anyway, I digress. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them this was what was written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, namely the Spirit, But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out into the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. This is the ascension of Christ. We get to consider the implications. Can you turn to your neighbor and tell them God can change you? God can change you. God can change you. All right, ready to dig in? Let's dig into the Word of God. I love it when I have aha moments or when the light bulb goes on. You ever had those aha moments? I even love studying about companies who have considered different great innovations and had their own aha moments. For example, I was doing a little research about a company named Airbnb. Has anyone ever heard or used Airbnb? Okay, um, and it's a $25 billion company. Um, they, they are cutting into the profits of the hotel industry, all because of two men, Joe Gibbeah and Brian Chesky, who were living in San Francisco, and they were trying to find a new way to pay their rent. And so birthed out a necessity to pay their rent in San Francisco. They had loft space they weren't using. They bought three air mattresses, and they promised breakfast They made a website and they hired out their space um, as a hotel would so that others would use it. Well, they they had three takers. For $80, you could sleep on an air mattress and receive that promised breakfast. It worked. Strangers will sleep in your house if you promise them breakfast. And that was the aha moment. And now it's a $25 billion company. I consider Steve Jobs, what an innovator, right? His aha moment is, what if I could put a computer in your pocket? Change the world. You know, our our society, we love these business innovations, don't we? And you may have even been to conferences where they try to teach you the next aha moment, the next big thing. But friends, if if we're going to focus on spiritual strength, What I believe is we need to apply the same tenacity and the same interest to finding spiritual aha moments. That that we would prioritize what our soul needs over against what the marketplace would need, over against what our financial lives need. That if, if God can make a spiritual aha moment in me, let's do that. 
And the good news is that these aha moments are possible. Did you see it in the scriptures? The one verse that stood out to me that I'll share with you again is this. Can you read the yellow with me? It says, he opened their minds. That's what I believe God can do with you. And so when it comes to this believe list, here's your first believe. Believe that God can open your mind to greater understanding. Just believe it's possible. And I'm not trying to look down on where you are in your walk with God, but just believe it can get better. Believe that you have yet to wrap your mind around the endless infinity of the Almighty. Believe that you have yet to run down the final length of his love for you. Believe that you have yet to consider or comprehend the greater things of the things to come, the things that will be, that, that no eye has seen and no ear has heard, that he can still reveal to you. He, he can have his way. Believe he opens your mind. But now another logical question, Pastor, that sounds great, and he just did that, but how? How does he open our minds? Does anyone want to garner a guess? Enter the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one powerful in us to open our minds. In our first lesson, this is what we heard about the Holy Spirit. He, he said, very truly, it's good that I am going away, because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Now, this is crazy that, that it's better for Jesus to leave. I don't even understand it, but if Jesus said it, I believe it, so I guess it's good that he's gone. But, but, but why? So he could send the Spirit to you, the advocate, the counselor. And what the Spirit does is best described in the book of Corinthians, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Here it is. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. A.K.A., if your mind is open to anything that came from God, it is the work of the Spirit in your life. You know, another passage says, no one confess Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is just so essential to continue to open our eyes to greater understanding. But now a logical question, how do I get the Spirit? Okay. Well, can I tell you what the journey is not like? Well, let me set up what it is not like. It is not this grandiose, memorable adventure filled with wonders and things that will wow you. Um, I, I consider one of the great uh, classics called The Three Amigos. And the three amigos had to find El Guapo. And to find El Guapo, they would go on a grand adventure through the desert. It would include a singing bush, a very good singing bush. And if you got to the singing bush, you could summon the invisible swordsman. And the invisible swordsman was going to lead them to El Guapo before they shot him, unintentionally, don't worry. Um, and, and that was the grand adventure filled with these wonders of a singing invisible swordsman in a singing bush. The path the Spirit takes, I think, is a little bit more simple. How the Spirit works, it, it kind of reminds me of moms trying to find their children. You ever tried to find your children so you could leave home? You search all through the house, you're yelling their name, hey, Johnny, 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 and then you get in the car and you're yelling, Johnny, 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 you're honking the horn, Johnny, 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 and then they wave from the back seat, hi, mom. You ever been there? There all the time. Back to the Spirit. It is no secret where the Spirit is found. 
The only problem is that it's so simple you might be underwhelmed by it. It's so simple you, you might not pay attention as much to the way the spirit works as to a singing bush or an invisible swordsman because it's simply found in the proclamation of Jesus Christ through what we call the word of God. It is simply found as you open this book called the Bible that is on many shelves that Gideon even puts in uh, hotel rooms for you. It's so accessible now today, but it is so simple that it will underwhelm you that you might overlook how the spirit works. Something that is pretty miraculous, but, but is maybe underwhelming because you're familiar with it, but really awesome is baptism. See, the Spirit works through baptism as a washing of rebirth and renewal. How awesome. The Spirit works through the sacrament we call the Lord's Supper to forgive our sins and to remind us again that victory is won through Jesus. But I'm going to assume that this is not an aha idea for many of you. These things. And what is maybe even more underwhelming in our society is this place called the church that many people are giving up on. But friends, what other place has the Spirit so much? What other place can you go and hear this gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed and receive the sacraments? You want to be spiritually strong, it is simply staying close to where the Spirit is and what the Spirit uses so he can have his way. And you know what he'll open your mind up to? The most essential thing he will open your mind up to is something that many of you know. It is that sinners can find salvation through the cross of Christ. That is the biggest eye-opener that we have. That sinners like us Sinners like us, we are miserably broken. We don't have it all together. We are often underwhelmed by the way that God works in our lives. And yet sinners have the right to have salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus was reminding his disciples of that central truth by saying, this was what was written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Never get too far away from that word that sinners find salvation through the cross of Christ. Because that is the creme de la creme. If you understand today that salvation is a free gift of God, there is absolutely nothing better. And you can make progress, and your eyes can be opened to many other wonderful things. You can peer into the gates of heaven through the lens of Scripture, but never get too far away from this, what we call our first love, salvation through Jesus Christ as a free gift. It is so good. So that's our first belief. Believe that, again, the Spirit can open our minds to great understanding. But as we continue and consider something else to believe, I want to give something to the football fans. I know it's Mother's Day, but something for those who brought mom or the moms that love football. And, and something that I noticed has changed in football is where the coaches are. See, prior coaches and all the coaching staff used to only be on the sideline. But as I've been observing, some of the coaches take a different approach and are actually coaching from the box. Now, to me, this makes a little bit more sense because they have a better purview of what the defense or offense is doing, a better purview based on the tape that they had watched, and so it's a better position in order to coach the game. They can see more. A better vantage point. At this point, you're asking, Pastor, where are you going? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Jesus was in one finite place, let's call it the sidelines. 
He is ascending into heaven, and why? He's going to be in the box for a better vantage point. He's going to a place where he can watch and reign and rule over us even better. In Ephesians 4, it tells us of this change. It said, the one who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. He's got a box seat. And then I was reading a little bit of Martin Luther. I was doing a little bit old school. And he had this ascension sermon, and look at what Luther said. He said, nay, he ascended up thither. I wish we talked that way, right? Up thither. Because that there, he can best do his work and exercise his dominion. We got Jesus in the box. And the reason this is so important is because this world is filled with a lack of peace. Remember when I asked, you know, how much would you buy for peace? I'd pay a lot to have peace. And if your life is anything like mine, peace is stolen all the time. The devil is real. The news is real. I wonder, what is the Iranian deal going to mean? I wonder, what is God doing in North Korea? What about the Syrian refugees? I wonder, what about my own life? What about the state of Illinois? Peace is stolen all the time. Peace is stolen in our relationships. Whether it be familially, whether it be friends, whether it be coworkers, it's stolen all the time. Peace is stolen in our relationship with God. Because after we sin, our, our, our accuser, the devil, says, you better not go back to him. Forgiveness was won, but not for that. Peace is stolen all the time. And you know what I think you need? You need something to believe. You need to believe that Jesus ascended to reign and he is still reigning. And every time you have peace stolen from you, you need to gain the perspective. You need to look up at the box and you need to see Jesus with his headset on saying, Hi, I know, right? Like the enemy, they're pretty bad. But don't worry, I saw it. I saw it and I still hold you in the palm of my hand. I saw it and I can still work out everything for your good. Don't worry. I'm in the box for your behalf. How good is the ascended Christ? How good that he reigns over all things. Well, as we continue, I wanted to bring it back a little bit um, to moms. And, um, you know, just as mom is always the helper, so also it is very hard to outgive mom. Mom is just always giving, right? I consider a classic picture of mom. Here it is. And, and are there any moms who make lunch for their children or, or do this kind of handoff or exchange, right? And it's such a great picture because you consider what mom has already done. Mom has already given this child the, the greatest gift, which is called life. When a child leaves, mom gives another gift called lunch. And when the child leaves, mom is going to do and get more gifts only for the child, whether it be working and providing or cleaning up the house and doing the dishes and maybe even making their bed. But mom is just a consummate giver. It's like, I gave you life, I'm giving you something, and when I leave or you leave, I'm just going to give you more. Can you imagine if you had a house guest like that? That'd be awesome. They come with a gift, they leave with a gift, and they tell you, I'm only going to get you another gift. Like, come to my house, that's great. Well, where did they get all this? Is not this a picture of Jesus and what he is doing for his disciples? You know what struck me is how he left. He left in such a, a great way. It said, while he was blessing them, he left. I mean, talk about the, the best way to leave, drop the mic, Jesus. Because what, what is happening is they just saw his resurrection and the, the fulfillment of salvation. So I already paid for the gift of salvation. I am blessing you now, and the only reason I am leaving is to bless you even more. 
That's a good God. And so a, a final believe thing is this. But believe that he has blessed you. Because his death and resurrection has set you free. It has set me free. Believe that he is blessing you now, even though you're in the midst of a broken world. He still is working all things for your good. And believe the only reason you have yet to see him face to face is because he's preparing this place and he's planning on blessing you even more. What a good God. And if we sink these truths deep down to our soul, that God can open our mind, that he's reigning, that he's just about blessing us, do you think it will lead to a little bit more strength, this believe list? God, give me strength to believe this. Let your spirit have its way. But before we go, I am going to give you one, one to do. There's much to believe, but one thing to be. You ready for this? So God was saying all these things to his disciples, but he did give them one command. And look here, it said, I'm going to send you what the Father's promised, namely the Spirit, but, say this yellow part, stay in the city. Th that was the very simple command because if they stayed in the city, being clothed with power from on high was a picture of Pentecost. And you don't want to miss next week because we're going to talk about Pentecost and the power of the Spirit even more and what happened on that day. But, but if they didn't stay, they wouldn't get it. And so what I find is, is this very simple be. Believe many things, but be this. Just be obedient to the clear commands of God. And just as the disciples, I mean, it wasn't rock and science. What do I do, Jesus? Stay in the city. Nothing to figure out there, right? God's commands are like that. They're, they're not complex. Love people. Speak well of them. Do good to them. Think well on them, right? But be obedient the simple commands of God, not for your salvation, but as you hunger and thirst for the Spirit and for the Spirit to have its way in your life. Because what I believe is that God can, He can change you. And people might say in a week, in a month, years from now, there's something different about you. And it won't be your hair, it won't be your glasses. It'll just be that the Spirit got a hold of you like never before and had His way. May God so bless you. Amen.